Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. What is up, my friend? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Do appreciate you being with us and joining us today as we uh, we continue into 2018. Got a brand new year, brand new you, and uh, we got a brand new guest that we are going to be sharing with you today. Hey, before we get to my buddy John and all that he has to share, let me remind you, if you haven't already, you definitely want to stop by and check out freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com. I know I've mentioned this site to you before, but uh, we want to give you a free step-by-step training on how to exactly find paid speaking engagement. So we walk that through exactly with you, exactly how to do that inside. Again, freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com. All right. So today we're talking with my buddy, John Acuff. And uh, John is a phenomenal speaker, honestly, one of the best speakers that I've ever seen live and uh, happened to be, to, to be uh, friends with John offstage as well. And just a really, really great dude, a great author, great writer, and uh, has a lot to share with us today. So we're going to be talking through exactly how and why he learns from comedians for speaking. You kind of think, well, you know, comedian speaking. It's different worlds and different genres, but there's a lot to be learned from comedians. We talk about that, how he does, uh, how he learns from comedians and why he pays attention to comedians. We should also talk about John's social media platform and his content, uh, his writing, how it has helped his business. Is that something that we as speakers should be paying attention to? We talk about his various strategies for each social media platform, and we also talk about how and why speakers should be setting goals. So John is really into goal setting, and especially as we kick off this new year, uh, John's new book, Finish, is a phenomenal resource that I'd highly recommend for anyone who wants to set goals, who wants to accomplish more, get more done in their business and in their life. So if you are a speaker going, hey, 2018 is the year for me, I'm going to take my speaking business seriously, then you need to not only, one, listen to this episode, soak up everything that John shares, but two, you need to make sure that you pick up his book, Finish. You can pick that up at Amazon, booksellers, all over, all right? So make sure you check out uh, John's new book, Finish. Also, let me give you one other thing to check out. He's got a great email list for speakers, specifically for speakers, that I encourage you to check out over at acuff.me, A-C-U-F-F dot me slash speakers. So again, that's acuff dot me slash speakers. Make sure you check that out as well. All right, enough about all that stuff. Let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with John Acuff. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Hey, today, hanging out with my buddy, John Acuff, who is a uh, speaker and author, all-around good dude. John, most importantly, if you and I were to play ping pong today, best out of five, how would that play out? I'm taking three at, at a minimum. At a minimum? Yeah. I've been playing. When's the last time you played? This is true. This is true. You like? Uh... I mean, it's not It's not like because I'm great. It's just because if you haven't jogged in six months, and then we, and I've been jogging, like, would you go like, Hey, wait a second. You know, like, so I think I'm taking at least three. That hurts. That hurts. I feel like we gotta, we gotta play again sometime soon. We gotta, we gotta make that yeah. happen. Yeah. 
Hey, so uh, give us a nutshell on, uh, in terms of, of, you do a lot of speaking. Speaking is a really key core piece of, of your business. How does speaking fit into what you're doing? Because you also have a very popular blog. You've got big social following. You do books. How does speaking fit into the mix? Well, I mean, if it's in part of it, I just love it. Like it's, I would say it's the thing I enjoy doing the most, like even over writing books. Like I love writing books. Don't get me wrong, but like speaking, man, I, you know, we've talked about this and every comedian says this, it's the fastest way to see something you did actually have an impact. Like you immediately get feedback where like you get to go that bombed or that was good or Mm -hmm. it was bad. And so like, that's fun. So from a business perspective, I would say that it is 40%, 40 to 50% of my annual revenue. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly not a like small little thing. Right. Um, and the other thing I like about it is that it's something I enjoy and I'm getting better at. And a lot of people aren't good at it. Like, and the market isn't as flooded as books. I think like with once self-publishing came about, which is awesome, the market's really full as far as books. Like, you can fool a lot of people with how you market a book. You can't fool a lot of people if you're not good at speaking, right, you right. know? And so I do like that. It's this fun combination of like, I enjoy it. I'm getting better at it and people aren't good at it. And that kind of creates this Venn diagram. Well, and you, I mean, just knowing you, I know that that you care very deeply about the craft of speaking and it's not just, yeah, I'm just going to scribble some stuff on an index card and I'm going to get up and wing it. But like you spend a crap load of time figuring out like how to put this together and how this works and the work that you put into it off stage so that oftentimes people think like well you just get up on stage and you make it up on the fly and it just all magically works out and the reality is is behind the scenes there's a lot that went into that one punchline coming together the way that it did oh yeah no i'm a dork about it i mean you and i are similar that way where we could get together and talk for hours about nuances and messages like yeah i mean that like that would be enjoyable to me like that's the I do love the craft of it. I do like knowing, oh, that joke didn't work. Or, you know, this this is when the guy lost the audience and here's here's what happened, you know, I, or this risk wasn't wor- worth the return. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I do craft it. I'm do like, it's funny. If you do it well, it looks like you didn't work hard at it. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's like a, like a beautiful swimmer doesn't look like, looks like they're having an easier go than me. They make you it know? look easy. Like, yeah. They make it look easy. They're like Michael Phelps is gliding through the water. He looks like he's on the top of the water with his butterfly, but that's the product of 10 years, 15 years. And so I do like that part of it. I think that part's fascinating. How do you keep from being complacent? Because as a speaker, you are, and I've told you this, you're one of the better speakers I've ever seen. Uh, You do a great job on stage. You're naturally funny. You're naturally engaging, charismatic. And so it would be very easy to say, you know what? I'm, I'm good enough, you know? And externally, you may not say that, but internally, like this thing that I'm doing now works as is. So what keeps you from, from getting to that point and getting complacent? Well, I want to do bigger gigs for bigger paychecks. I mean, like, let's be honest. It's also a really fun way to make money. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it is like, it's not a fast way to make money. Like I had somebody the other day say to me like, Hey, I'm thinking about getting into public speaking to make some money. Like, and I was like, well, not right out of the gate. You're not (laughs) like, it's not. I mean, that's crazy to me. I was just like, oh, good luck. But I want to do bigger gigs. Like I want to, you know, when I go to Lockheed Martin and they're massive, like that's awesome. Like when I go to Comedy Central or Microsoft, like I want to do big gigs and have high stakes and do repeat business. Like 
you, you know, just cause you accomplish something doesn't mean you stop. So like, I want to do repeat business. Like the best gig is when like you have a great time, the client feels served and they book you again. That's when you know, like, okay, I've done, I've done my job. Like right. that's the dream. So I just think there's so many more goals. And then the other thing I'd say, like to everyone listening, the reality is there's two paths. There's fame and there's content. And 99% of the people listening to this are not going to take the fame approach. They can't. I can't. Like you and I both know, like I think you and I both do well. I think we're, we work hard at it. We will not make a $50,000 paycheck off of our fame. Like you haven't won a Super Bowl. I've never landed a, a plane on the Hudson River. Like we don't have that. So guys like us have to then do the other thing, which is make the content so good, make the presentation so good, add a, a four hour training, add a video series. Like we have to find a bunch of different other ways. We don't get to kind of coast on the fame part. So that kind of drives me. I want to go back to whenever you first got started as a speaker, because you were originally kind of known as a blogger. You had a couple of successful blogs. And how did the transition go from I'm writing uh, head down in front of a computer to then you're starting to get into speaking? Well, I mean... I, I always joke that public speaking is funny because it's like one day you don't do it. And then the next day somebody goes, Hey, we'd like to hire you to do this thing. Do you do it? And you go, totally. And then, you're like, <laughs> and then you figure it out. So yeah, I mean the transition, the literal transition was had a popular blog and people said, Hey, will you come speak at our conference? And I was like, all right, cool. Did a terrible job as I should have, like it was my first time. And so then um, from there started to really work at it. But I think I, I benefited from a few things. One, I'd studied comedians my entire life. Like my dad loved comedy. We, he would take me to comedy shows in high school. We saw Brian Regan. We saw Carrot Top. And like Carrot Top killed. Like I know we like to use him as like the pinata of comedy, but like prop comic or whatever, like that dude crushed. Like yeah. he did really, like it was really funny. And then my dad's a pastor. So I grew up around the art of public speaking. And I didn't say it then like, I hate people that are like, I knew it. I was in the fetus when I knew I'd be a doctor. Like, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't know in the third grade watching my dad, I would mimic his techniques later. But like, that gave me this sense of like, oh, that's the thing people do. It's not scary. Yeah. Like, I could do it. It's interesting. So then when like the internet came around, I was ready for somebody to go, here's a stage. And then it was like, let's do this. Now, I know one thing that you and I geek out on is comedians. And even though it's a different genre, so to speak, it's a person with a mic in front of a group of people. So why has studying, paying attention to comedians been so beneficial and helpful to you and, and advice that you commonly give? Well, part of it is if you study the same people everybody else studies, you create the same kind of stuff. Like if you go to TED and you watch the five top TED videos and you come up with your Sir Ken Robinson story that's about potential, like... That's great. And it has its place, but like, so is every other public speaker. Yeah. The other thing is that it's a niche. Like my niche is humor. Like a part of what's fun about our job is that most people are very boring and very not awesome at speaking. Right. And then we show up and like, I'm not like done comedy clubs. I haven't earned that badge, so to speak, but in a, in a business setting, I'm hilarious. Like I'm like, people can't believe the things that are coming out of my mouth. And so I just think it makes you stand out. It makes you, you become nimble. Like you know how to react to the crowd. It teaches you about brevity and great comedians are social commentators. Mm -hmm. So like, and they're saying things you've never thought before. So like one, I have this bit about Netflix and it's got like 50 jokes in it. But one of the things I say is that, you know, you're watching Netflix too much when 
you find a new show, but you won't start it because there's only one season. And you're kind of like, come back to me in four years and you got four seasons, <laughs> 22 episodes each, 42 minutes a piece. I need it all. Like, I don't need bite size. This ain't tapas. Give me a buffet. And right. like, dude, like people in the audience have done that. Right, um, right. And so like, that's fun for me to relate a true thought in a funny way that makes you go, oh, yeah, 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 I'm totally like, I've done that. So that's why I like comedy. And it's just enjoyable. Like, I, I, I mean, like, talk about a fun job. I watch comedy and that's like, I'm working. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. That's the, that's the best. Well, the and, no, but, and that's, you're right that that's oftentimes, you know, what makes great comedy is that observational where you see the audience and they're elbowing each other. Like, that's so true. You yeah. do that. He's talking about you right now. Yep. And it just brings out something that people know is true, but they haven't looked at in a, in a certain way or thought about. Now, the challenge and the reality is, is that using humor, using comedy as a speaker can be super hit and miss that sometimes it goes great and sometimes it bombs yeah. and even like you know i think you and i have a, a decent amount of experience speaking and using humor and using jokes and knowing how to deliver something and knowing how to make it work but at the same time there are still moments where you're like you're writing it and thinking this is going to kill and it just yeah. bombs or the scenario where you're in front of an audience and it kills one day and the next yeah. week it bombs so no, i've had that how, how, how that. do you deal with all that yeah i mean certain cities it crushes and then you try it in a different city and it's like nobody bats an eye. Yeah. And so I think that's part of it. I think you, we deal with it by doing it a bunch, like, and going, like moving on to the next one. You go, you know what? I did what I was supposed to do. They didn't appreciate that. That's yeah. fine. Like I have this, so I'm on this tour with the Orange Group. They do curriculum in schools. It's character-based. At churches, it's uh, faith-based. So we do this big church leadership event. And one of the activities they always do is they say, anyone who was born in 1999, stand up. And like they come, they bring them up front and they show them five things from the 80s and 90s and then <laughs> see if they know what they are. It's hilarious. Like, and it's a great reminder. You're like, fame doesn't matter. They show a clip of Chris Farley. None of them know who he is. Oh, like, no. and no. like, you're like you're one generation away, dude. Yeah. And so they show the clip of the drug commercial, like this is your brain on drugs. Yeah, Any yeah. questions? So they just show the egg frying in the part where it goes, any questions? And they go, what's this commercial for? And they all say eggs, frying pans, pans yeah. you know, like Pam cooking oil. They always get it wrong. And so then the guy who's doing it goes to the audience, audience, what's the commercial about? And they go, drugs. So I speak right after. And I do this joke like, this is the only time you've been in church where the call and repeat was drugs. <laughs> like you've never gone to church. You're like, can I get a drugs? You know, like, and dude, 14 out of 15 cities, it destroyed one city. It was like, and like to the point that I talked to the sound guy after and I was like, dude, that bombed. And he was like, that was terrible. <laughs> and like, I did like, I didn't do it the next city. Cause I was kind of like, and then I did it like two cities later and it crushed. And yeah. so like, yeah, you just know. And like, that's why you have to, if you're going to do what we do on a more serious basis, like if you're going to make it part of your life, you have to talk to other speakers to know it happens. Like it happens to all of us. Like you move on. So let's get back to the story where of, of you are, you've got the blog, you have someone who invites you to speak. Do you do speaking? Yeah, I do speaking. How do you yeah. go from that point, which is where how a lot of people start is something randomly falls in their lap to the point where, you know, you're doing five, 10, 15 gigs a year. And that parlays into 20 to 30 to 40 gigs a year. How do you start to make that leap just to get that increase of, of the number of gigs that you're doing? Well, I mean, it's little things and it's the stuff I'm sure you teach where it's like, 
you know, okay, every gig is a chance to earn another gig. Mm -hmm. So you start to realize there's people in the crowd that are going to want to book me. How do I make that possible? You start to look at social a different way. So you'll often see me, like when I go speak for a client, you'll see me post after on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Had a great time with the Florida area real estate agents. I love talking to real estate agents. They've got such an interesting job and they're hustling. And like, that's me doing a soft pitch to other real estate places to go, Oh, I didn't know you did that. Like, how do you do that? So like I started to do stuff like that on my own to the point that eventually I was able to get a speaker's bureau to go, Hey, we'll take a shot on you. Like we want to work with you. We would add you to our roster. Cause it's not like speakers bureaus are like literary agents. Like they don't just represent anybody. They're not going to spend time and money if they don't think you're going to get gigs. So that was kind of the process is kind of, you put it out there. The other thing is you have to remember, nobody knows what you do. Like I had, I had somebody the other day, I spoke at a church leadership event and after she was like, have you ever thought about doing corporate stuff? And she doesn't know 90% of the gigs I do are corporate. Yeah. She just saw this window. So I think you as a speaker have to be self-promotional. Like it's your job to let people know, I do this, I do this, I do this because they don't know. Is there anything that you do on stage to demonstrate that? You mentioned like the social media and I want to come back to that part, but I think you're right that oftentimes it's amazing. You you may go speak somewhere, you come off stage and someone says, oh, that was like, the, like as if that was your first time. Like you did really good. You should really consider this. And you're like, yeah, I, I should consider no, this. No, I mean, there's a couple of ways you do it. So you do it by referencing other companies. It doesn't hurt to tell a story that you say, it's like I told the guys at Whirlpool the other day about their product division. Oh, we have a product division. Like you establish authority, you reference other topics. Like I had a company buy 5,000 copies of my book finished. You better believe when I'm in front of another company, I go, it's been amazing. Like we've had companies buy 5,000 copies. It's so fun to see managers take their whole team through it. That's you planning the idea of, hey, I'm a manager. Like I read books. I should do that too. So part of it is like, you've got to balance it. They didn't ask you to come sell yourself. Like they asked you to come serve the audience. So you have to be super deliberate because I've seen people where it's like, dude, it was 90% pitch. Like, and there was no value and it feels gross. And the client knows that you kind of have to feel it out. But I try to be deliberate about saying, if I feel there's something else I can offer them that they might not know, I'm helping them by letting them know. It's not helpful If I go to a mom's event, if I go to like mops, mothers of preschoolers, and I say like, I do a big pitch about my business stuff, that's not helpful. Like, that's not what they brought me for. So I think it is a balance, but I I think you have to know, okay, I can share this right now and here's why. Right, right. So you have built a significant social following. I'm I'm curious how, what you have done to build that, but more importantly, like, do you feel like that, that having a significant social following has helped your speaking business? And if so, how? 100%, 100%. I am shocked how often a client, when I get there, will go, I love following you on Instagram. And they say it like, I've been doing it for a while. I just now booked you. They don't say it like, when I booked you, I started following you. They say like, you're so funny. I love the stuff you share about your family. So, I mean, that's why like I tell speakers all the time because I, I write a, a weekly speakers email list. It's acup.me slash speakers. And one of the ideas I shared was never complain about traveling because the client sees it. One of the stupidest things you and I have friends that do this. They post, Oh, gotta be away from my family. Oh, I hate traveling. And dude, the client who's often a parent themselves is like, 
oh, my bad. Next time I won't book you. Yeah. Like, I didn't know I was a monster. I'm just trying to give you money. Like, <laughs> my bad. And so I think that more of them follow you than you know. And I think it is helpful. And then I can say, I know how many forms I get filled out on my website. Like, if you go to agov.me and you fill out the speaker's form, I can keep track of that. And so I know, like, I get real leads from there. Now, what I would say is I've never done a campaign. I've never done paid Facebook ads, for instance, around public speaking. So I can't say that, like, you've got to do that. I think that's really challenging. Like, you'd almost want to say you have to find event planners, like maybe on LinkedIn. Like, imagine you, you've targeted people on LinkedIn who are event planners. I just don't know that I would do a fa- – like, Facebook would be hard unless it's an event planner group. It's such a specialized thing that it's hard to get in front of the money – like the decision makers. So take Instagram, for example, because obviously you, you do a lot with Instagram. You mentioned someone who said, hey, you know, we booked you, but we had been following you for a while. But obviously most of the time, you know, I follow you on Instagram. And, and so most of what you're posting is, you know, you're at the pool, it's a sunset, you're dealing with a inflatable Christmas snowman, whatever sure, Jenny got. In November. Yeah. So like, how do you feel like that stuff is moving the needle for you? And, oh, I thought that was funny. Therefore, I'm going to book you to speak. It makes you human. Like it makes you like people like working with humans, not with speakers. Mm -hmm. So like that I'm a dad that makes mistakes and is funny and seems like I'd be like a a kind person when I showed up, like seems like I'm deliberate about my craft. Like it's like any kind of sales situation. The more the salesperson knows about you and vice versa, the more comfortable you feel. Yeah. Like it's funny. You'll go out of your way to spend more money at a store that you like the person who owns it. Yeah. Like you'll drive further. Like I'll go, Oh man. I want that store to win. I don't feel bad overpaying $4. Like I want them to do well. So like my ability to build that connection with people, I think helps them go. Here's what I'd say. I think it moves a maybe to a yes. I don't know if it moves a no to a yes. What I mean by that is if you're dead set against not hiring me, it doesn't matter what I post. It's not going to change to a yes. If you're looking at me and three other people and I'm funny and personable and I seem like a good guy, like, that helps. Yeah. I think that I think social is a good way to nudge somebody to a yes. And I, I've seen that happen. Well, in this day and age, like with, with social, especially, I think most people, we want to put our best foot forward. We don't want to pull, pull back and show like, you know, if I show who I really am, will you still like me? Will you want to book me? So how do you find the balance in that of going, I got to put together this, you know, this polished version of myself versus, you know, this is, this is who I really am. Yeah. I mean, I realize that they're not perfect either. I would say like, the polished one makes you seem fake. Like I think that the real one does better, especially this generation, the more the millennials grow up, the more they're going to be like, they can see through fakeness. Mm-hmm. So like, regardless of speaking, I'm, I'm not a political guy. I don't talk about the, the subjects that would divide my audience. I don't do a ton of religious stuff. Am I a Christian with faith? Totally. But when people are like, you should do more Christian stuff or more political stuff. I want to say as soon as you email your whole office, your thoughts on Trump, I'll share mine. And they're like, well, I can't do that. That's work. Well, that's what social is for me. It's work. Like just cause for you, it's cat. It's work for me. Right. Like we're different. So I think that I don't feel like there's a lot of content I have to hide in order to protect myself from somebody booking me. I will say, I think you have to be deliberate about not criticizing brands you want to speak for someday. Yeah. So you'd be surprised that like, if you want to do a big gig at Microsoft someday, don't be a jerk about, about Microsoft. Like yeah. if you want to do a big gig at Chrysler, like don't slam Chrysler. I think you have to be smart about that. 
So you do a lot with Instagram. You do a lot with Twitter. Uh, I don't see you do a ton on Facebook. Do you do anything with LinkedIn? Yeah, I'm, dude, I'm loving LinkedIn right now. Yeah? I feel like I've had, I'm experiencing a LinkedIn uh, renaissance, a bit of a revival. So I have like 17,000 connections on LinkedIn. I'll post something, it'll have 11,000 views. And so like, as far as, I think to some degree, like, are there bots on there? Of course. I think to some degree, LinkedIn, think about it this way. When you set up a Twitter profile, you could be an egg. You can not put any information. LinkedIn's the opposite. LinkedIn's like, give us more info, put your skills, do this, da, 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 da. like it's more manicured. Yeah. So I think to some degree, if you're in business, it's a great place to be. Is it amazing? Maybe not, but it's not sexy, but like LinkedIn, dude, I'm experiencing some great stuff. So I'm curious how, like with LinkedIn, with a Twitter, with a Facebook, or is there anything that you're doing strategically or specifically on those individual platforms to say, hey, I'm trying to book gigs, I'm trying to build my, my speaking business. And so here's what I'm doing in each of those different sandboxes to make that happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess one thing I try to do is I try to connect them to each other. You'll see me, I've probably 10 times this year, 15 times this year at 6 a.m. tweeted out, if you're up this early, already working on something, we need to be connected on LinkedIn. And then there's a link. And so I've tried to, I have 300,000 people on Twitter. I have 16,000, 17,000 on LinkedIn. I got a lot of people to convert over. And people are like silly. People go, well, explain to me the value of LinkedIn. I just, I'm not going to do that because that's dumb. But I don't know if there's any value to being connected to less people. Like in our world, you can't tell me it's better. What do you, what's the alternative to not be connected to people? So I look at it as how do I get, if you're in my sphere of conversation and you're on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, awesome. Like now you're connected to me three ways. I like to move people that. And then I'd say like, I'm like anybody, the funnel is to try to get somebody on an email list and create good enough content that they, they feel excited about it. Are you um, using your email list for potentially getting gigs? Yeah. I mean, I've got an entrepreneur's list. I think that's one where I think gigs will come out of that. I mean, my main email list, definitely. I think there's decision makers on that. I would say what I haven't ever done that I know some people have done, I haven't ever created a specific thing for event planners. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean like five ways to make, put on an amazing event and it's a PDF and it's just because I don't have the content to back that up. I can write about one idea about being an entrepreneur for 50 weeks in a row. I can't do that for event planning because I've never really done much event planning, you right. know? Right. Are you doing anything in terms of even just uh, whether it's social or whether it's email or whether it's on the blog, just even direct calls to action of I'm a speaker. You should hire me. Here's why. I don't or go that more, direct. More just passive. I don't go that direct because there's this fine line between like promotion and begging. Yeah. Like I don't, I, I mean, we could argue about this, but I've seen people, some of our friends that will go, I've got open spots for February. Like I would, it would be great if you booked me. Like you have to remember they're trying to hire you as an expert. Like, they're trying, like they want you to be doing so well. It's, I mean, it'd be great if life wasn't a popularity contest, but there's popularity in everything we do. Yeah. So like you almost want to be too booked to do stuff with them. So what I do is the reverse. I tweet. It's true. I tweet, hey, big shout out to my speakers bureau. They've already filled up a lot of 2018. And then a link to my speaker page. And I've had people come out of that and say, oh, I've been meaning to book you. Thanks for the direct link. So I do stuff like, or I'll say, like I said before, like just spoke to a big auto dealer network. As a speaker, you develop niches and car dealers are one that I love talking to, link. Yeah. So it's more subtle. I just, 
I don't know. I don't know that it's kind of like if a girl tweeted out or a guy tweeted out, if a guy tweeted out, still don't have a prom day, like sure would like a prom day. You go, ugh, mm. like that's no good. Like, I don't think it's wrong to say, Hey, you know, here's a speech I did. If you want info about booking me, here's the link. That's different than I'm available, you know? Right, 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 right. Now, your model has always tended to be, uh, you, you speak oftentimes around whatever your book topic is, and you have a book that comes out usually every, what, every two, three years or so? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, do you find that, I remember hearing the analogy that oftentimes speakers treat books similar way that bands would treat a new CD. You have your new CD, you promote that, and you go on tour about that new album. You still do some yeah. of the old classics, but you primarily do that. And the reality is, is if you're not coming out with a new album every two to three years, you start to lose relevance pretty quickly. So, do you find that that's been a kind of a similar model that you followed as a speaker with books? I've definitely followed that model where like, I spoke about do over for a couple of years and then finish came out and I spoke about finish. And part of it is it keeps you engaged. Like, I don't, you know, like I don't want to talk about the same thing for 30 years. It's not who I am. It's not how I'm wired. Like I would, uh, I would. And Dave Ramsey used to always joke about that. Dave Ramsey used to say like, my message hasn't changed. Like you can turn my radio station on year after year and it's going to be me saying, sell the car, sell the car, sell the car. That's how he's wired. And it's been really successful but I'm just not wired that way. I think, I think I need to release a book every th- two to three years to stay in a conversation. You know, I've done two years over the last like eight years. So I don't, I don't know if the jump to three will make people go, Oh, I don't know. Like, where's this guy been? But the counterbalance to that is the guys you and I respect release a book every five years, like Simon Sinek every five years, Jim Collins, like every 10 years. Like Malcolm Gladwell every five years. So I think the problem is that you and I, because we're in the Christian, like Christ, like we live in the Bible belt. We, we know a lot of Christian speakers, the Christian world. There's a lot of pastors who just essentially transcribe a sermon and then they release it and they're releasing like three books a year. Yeah. And so sometimes as a speaker, you feel like I got to go faster. I got to do more. I don't know that that's true for corporate stuff. Yeah. So you mentioned the, your latest book, Finish, Give Yourself the Gift of Done. Uh, what's, the, uh, what's the nutshell of the book? The nutshell of the book is that starting is fun, but the future belongs to finishers. And um, if you want to stand out, do the thing nobody does well. And 92% of New Year's resolutions fail. So the book is based on a six-month research study that I did with a PhD to study nearly 900 people as they worked on goals to essentially say, why do some people fail at them? Why do some people finish? How do we actually finish the things we care about? So for a speaker who's going, okay, my goal is to speak more, to charge more, to get in front of bigger audiences. And there's got to be ways to quantify that more and to make that a a bit more concrete or tactical, or even, you know, saying something like, I want to become a better speaker. So like, what what are some of the common things from the book in terms of how we set those types of goals? Yeah. So, I mean, part of it would be, we found that most Americans, when it comes to goals, think they have to be miserable to count. If you say to somebody... What's the first five words that come to your mind when you think of goals? They go struggle, hustle, perseverance, discipline, willpower. Like, oh, they never say laughter, joy, happiness, mm-hmm. smiling. And so we, we uh, wanted to research whether fun mattered. And so what we found through the research was that if you make your goal fun, you're 31% more satisfied, which is great. But even crazier is you're 46% more successful. So to a speaker, I'd say, 
tell me your goals and then let's figure out how a way to make them more fun, not have fun. Like, cause a lot of goals have boring parts travel. Here's a really simple one. So as a speaker, I hate to bring it to you. You're probably going to travel. Like, unless you're John Maxwell and you have a center and people come to you, like most of the people listening to this aren't on the level where people have to come to them. Right. I have to travel. You have to travel. So one of the ways to make that more fun that I found was just to upgrade the rental car. Like, and it's not expensive. Usually it's free. Like if you're nice to the person for 30 seconds, they're like, Oh wow. Thanks for not swearing at me. Like every other business traveler. Right. Like, and so for 15 bucks extra, I'll get some like fun sporty car instead of like some small, like sewing machine car. Right. Like the other day I was in Fort Lauderdale and dude, I was so close to doing a $75 upgrade for a Porsche Cayenne, but they had just rented the last one. It's usually $300. Like, but dude, I would have in a heartbeat rented right. that Cayenne and just like gone for a long ocean drive. Like, are you kidding me? Right. So like you find, I mean, it's the same with flying. I've just started focusing on my flying in a different way where like, I'm going to get points on certain airlines in a deliberate way. That makes it a little I'm more so proud fun. of you. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. I'm trying, like, I'll talk to you about it off air. Cause I'm trying, dude. Dude, we've come so far. I know. I know. So like stuff like that. I think, and then as far as quantifiable stuff, yeah, like I've, I've like raised my rate. There's things like you can raise your rate. You can increase the number of people you talk to, number of requests you get, num percentage of close. So like there's the request and then there's the, you actually get the gig. Yeah. So like, okay, can I measure, you know, I close 50% or I close 75%. There's a thousand things you can measure when it comes to public speaking. And I think you're, you're right that, that oftentimes most speakers, the business model is I, do I, uh, you know, whether I have a book or I do social media or I write a blog or I do something and I sit back and I wait for things to happen to me. And I hope that it all just magically falls into place. And we assume that, you know, again, the, the best speakers in the world that they, they just sit back and they wait for it to all magically work out. And, you know, I was recently talking with a, a good friend of, of, I think both of ours and, and uh, asking him, Hey, I know you're still doing a lot of gigs. What's working for you. And he said, I, we still are regularly contacting potential leads, following up on leads we did a, from a couple years ago and continuing to build relationships. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you build a little bit of a flywheel, but for the most part, it's still continuing to put in the effort, but having some type of, of goal and, and, and metric behind of what it is that you're doing and not doing it just for the sake of doing it. Well, yeah. And like, it's like anything else. You and I talk about this all the time. It takes time. Like being an entrepreneur, being a speaker is about having seven forms of income that are coming in so that when two get shut off outside of your control, you have five others going and you have the bandwidth to set up a new one. Yeah. Like that's, you know, so for me, and, and, you know, it's, it is impacted by the economy. Like when speakers funds get, get cut during down economy. So you have to be smart about that. You have to be nimble. And so I think about all that stuff, you know? So, uh, all right, to wrap up here, if people want to find the book, uh, you got the usual places anywhere that you'd recommend that we go to get it. Amazon, uh, you can go get it there. When does this come out? Like, am I not supposed to answer that? Ask that question in the future. In the future, yeah. So you can go to finishcourse.com for the course about finishing. Acuff.me is my website. So there's a couple different places, and then Twitter. I tweet a bunch, and then LinkedIn. Yeah, nobody talks now. about LinkedIn, LinkedIn coming around, LinkedIn. making the Renaissance. It is, dude. I love it. You should like. It's the best, dude. I don't, I don't even know that I have a LinkedIn account or if I do, I wouldn't know how to find That's it. That's just more, more people for me, dude. That it's is. more people for me. Send all the gigs your way. All right, brother. Yeah. Thanks for the time, man. Yep. 
All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with John Acuff. Again, I'd encourage you to check out his new book, Finish. Also check out that site I mentioned to you, that email list specifically for speakers, acuff.me slash speakers, acuff.me slash speakers. You want to hop on that list. A lot of great insights that John shares over there. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next time. Enjoy. Enjoy.